if you want to follow what I'm going to read in the Bible, just uh, pause the giving some out now. We're going to uh, look at John chapter 10, page 1076. John chapter 10. Listen to some words of Jesus himself. And uh, you feel his presence tonight, and it's really good to feel his presence. It's God's intention that we would know that we're children of his, and he wants his presence to be made known. So it's great to, to come into his presence, but also now uh, his presence will come through his word. The word. It's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates and as we listen to these words of Jesus, they're as real for us today as they were when he spoke them originally. So John chapter 10, I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Words of Jesus. I'll tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you think about it, we're surrounded by gates, aren't we, or doors. Uh, We arrive at and depart from airports through gates. The security is getting, uh, I'll say, worse and worse, probably better and better as we go through and have to be checked and everything else. Uh, Many of us have gates that might provide an entrance, uh, maybe into a courtyard or or, uh, or to our gardens. Uh, Security gates at workplaces that keep people out. If you're a science fiction fan, there's even stargates that provide access to distant galaxies. Uh, when I was younger, my dad um, took me to West Ham and before um, the tragedy of Hillsborough, you could stand up. Uh, they called them the stands, uh, unsurprisingly. And there was one bit, um, uh, later on I used to go in the Upper West here because uh, I had a season ticket then, but you could go in the chicken one, they called it. Uh, not because we were chickens, uh, but because you were penned in and it had a nickname called the chicken one. That was the Lower East here. My dad used to get me in. And the reason I'm telling you all this Um, is not just to bring West Ham into yet another sermon. It's really, when we used to turn up, uh, because it was stands only, whereas seats now, you are seat number 43 or whatever it is, and you've got your ticket. Uh, But because you're standing, they could cram as many as they could. And it used to really, you know, it'd be really quite tight. So my dad, who was a carpenter, we didn't have a lot of money, and so we'd get to the turnstile. Remember the turnstiles? Now you have a little credit card thing to put it in and go through. But they had turnstiles, and there was a fella uh, in, the, in the booth, normally smoking some sort of roll-up cigarette, and uh, my dad would go, you know, one adult, and he'd, he'd squeeze me in, see, in the turnstile. And the bloke, you know, it's all on the same, they all knew what they were doing. He'd go, oh yeah, okay. And go, get in there. I thought, well, you know, it's tight, and you'd get in the turnstile, and you'd go in. So I got in illegally, you see, uh, I didn't get in the right way. I wasn't paid for. I snuck in. Um, and uh, it never, well, usually never turned out well because, as you know, if you're a West Ham fan, the result generally never does. Um, but I snuck in. 
I didn't get in properly. Even church tonight, we've come through doors. Uh, in this particular church, you've come in one, two, three doors to come in. We've opened doors and we've come in. We've come in. The first time I was told about Jesus Christ, it led me, I have to say, a little bit confused and bewildered. Uh, I could see my need, but I didn't overly know what to do about it. And it's fair to say I was quite desperate. And I don't know how you were told about Jesus, but first time I was told, um, I heard a lot of the bad stuff and I realised the position I was in. So I was a bit scared and worried, as I should have been. Uh, but what to do? What to do? We come, you know, Joan just said, she's right, you know, Hebrews 10, that passage, it says that uh, he sat down. You know, he's talking about the, the religious priests of the day, day after day, perform their religious duties. But when this high priest did his work, and I talk about Jesus, of course, in Hebrews 10, because um, he sat down because the work was done. He didn't have to stand anymore. He sat down. The work is done. It's finished. And we can come and around the communion table because of that. We come freely and we don't have to be snuck in in a turnstile under the radar. Under the radar. Um, so what did I have to do? In this conversation with his disciples and the Jewish religious authorities, Jesus identifies here himself as the gate or some translations call it the door. He is the gate. The sheepfolds back in uh, ancient Israel then, they weren't like the ones that we might see on farms now. They were pretty crude affairs, um, haphazardly built, built of maybe bushes and branches, or at best a low row of of stones. But they were enough to contain the sheep and keep them from danger. And they used to put a, a lot of flocks, several flocks together. They would be penned together, and that was to provide them with even more safety. And the flocks would mingle, right? They'd they wouldn't stay in their nice little, that's that flock there and that one there and that one there and that one there. They'll, of course, they'd all mingle together. Until the sheep were separated. And what separated them, this passage tells us? What do you think separated the sheep? They've all mingled up, right? So, you know, try and imagine you're over, let's keep it to West Ham, we're over Upton Park and Ian's in the chicken money, snuck in, uh, you know, illegally. Um, how do we know who's in, who's in right and who's in wrong? And it's because the thing we do know is... Uh, they would come together when they heard the voice of Christ or the shepherd. That's how would they know. They would be all mingling together and no one would really know who anyone was. But then when the shepherd called, uh, each flock would know who their shepherd was and they'd go to the shepherd. They'd hear the shepherd's voice. The shepherd knew them and they knew him. There's nothing like in this life, I believe, Nothing bigger than the call of Christ. You know, when he calls us, right from that very beginning, what a privilege that is. The call of Christ. You know, we're here. We've been called by Christ. We are Christians. Called. And he knows your name. I find that amazing. He knows my name. And he knows your name. Names are important. He knows you by name. And you can hear his voice. Nothing like the call of Jesus. It's a profound mystery to me why some respond to that call and some don't. When I run alphas, I almost want to bang heads together. I think, how do you not get this? You know, it says he who went on three alphas. Um, But I think it makes sense so much, but I recognise that I can't make someone a Christian. Only God can. I can point them towards him, but only he can convert the heart. And God, even though we had that early call, everybody here, you heard the call of Christ. He continues to call you back to him. 
he continues to call you back to him again and again. Verse 3, it says, the sheep know the voice. And we need to know that voice of Jesus continually calling us back to him. And that's why he set this up. Do this in remembrance of me. He continually calls us back to him. To recognise, there's been a bit of a theme of the evening, that only through him, only him, only he can provide the access that we can come freely to this table. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus because only him, he's the only one, he took my sin and my shame, only him, and he's called me and he's called you and he calls us tonight to meet around his table and we want to hear his voice. The shepherd had a closer relationship with the sheep of his flock because uh, more than, say, Western shepherds, just really because of their size. And Middle Eastern flocks were generally pretty small. Uh, The shepherds knew the sheep by name, as we've said. Uh, Some of them had pet names for them. Can you imagine that? I wonder what they called them. But the sheep, no matter what they were called, recognised the shepherd's voice. Jesus tonight knows your name. I don't know what's going on in your life. Uh, there'll be good things and bad things and some things somewhere in the middle. You'll have anxious thoughts, you'll have anxieties, you'll have worries, concerns. Jesus knows your name. Do you not think he can take care of that? I mean, the worst thing that can happen to us, and I don't want to be too dramatic, is death. Yet the Bible says, where our death is your sting, where is your victory? Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's the worst that can happen to us, but also the best. Because then we go and live a life with him because he has sat down. It is finished. He's done it. And he calls us to himself. He's not a God that's far off. He knows you by name. Sometimes uh, shepherds themselves in those days would be literally themselves be the gate to the sheepfold. They would lie down in front of the entrance to the fold so that nothing could enter uh, without them knowing about it. Um, Human gates providing uh, the entrance and the safety to the fold and protection from the threats outside. We um, we were praying for Holiday Bible Club. Where's Gary? Is he gone? Oh, he's up there. Um, We were praying for Holiday Bible Club, wasn't we, Gary? And um, uh, last uh, Sunday evening, I can't believe that's only last Sunday evening, three months ago, and we prayer walked around the building and a number of people had a picture um, and came back. They hadn't spoken to each other. came back and says, angels posted all around the boundary of the church. You know, there's this picture. Um, the devil will try and get in. <laughs> and, and it's only us, actually, can allow him to when we, when we start arguing and having bitterness and unforgiveness. He gets a foothold. But those angels are stationed around because we pray. And, and it's said that Satan is... is scared when Christians pray, you know, and that's why it's sometimes difficult to, but we shouldn't give up. Um, and Jesus himself, who's head of the church, said the gates of Hades will not come against it. And so we have the good shepherd himself protecting us, interceding for us. What is the gate or the door to? Uh, well, the answer is it's a gate to the family of God. And you can't come in illegally, you can't sneak through the turnstile. Uh, not having uh, been paid for. And the flock, in this context, 
has always uh, been understood as a symbol of the church and the family of God. And Jesus provides the entrance into the family of God because of the life and the death and the resurrection that we've sung about, which we're going to remember, we're able to enter into this relationship with God. No longer now in my early Christian walk do I need to be frustrated and scared and disillusioned and worried because I can come, I've been invited to come through the gate. And the family of God is comprised, isn't it, of sheep, if I can call you that, of all sizes, shapes, breeds. Uh, we can be a most unlikely gathering of people, especially when there's a lot of us. You know, we're really different, yet we've got so much in common. We're united by a common faith, our baptism and our mission. And these things are stronger than our differences. And Jesus said in the same gospel that we've read from that this is how you know they're my followers if they love one another. So there's loads of different sheep in the sheepfold and the pen or whatever we call it. And, uh, you know, but they, they're all there together. And maybe they'll bump into each other from time to time, but they're in together. They know, they know the shepherd's voice. There's a warning in this passage that we've read that some people attempt, like I did in the chicken run, to get into the family through means other than Jesus. It can't be done. These people sometimes have their own agenda. Maybe it's not God's agenda. Their goals might be selfish. Sometimes they seek to hurt and harm. Maybe they've got a works gospel. You know, you've got to earn your way in. And as, as we've, we're evangelical by nature, which is, you know, we believe in the authority of the Bible, we believe in mission, evangelism, personal conversion, personal relationship. But because we're evangelicals, we're activists, which is no bad thing. But you've got the whole Martha and Mary story, and we need to have this time with Jesus as well. We can be active, but we can't ignore our relationship with him because he still calls us. And we need to recognise his call. He knows you by name. But the emphasis on this passage, really, is not about warning about thieves so much, but a celebration of entrance into the family of God only one way, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the gate. And the gate, this gate, is to abundant life. Maybe not an easy life, but an abundant life. Jesus said, uh, later in verse 10, Jesus Jesus said, comes so you may have life and life in all its fullness. It's tempting for us to equate abundant life with what society thinks abundant life is, the cheap imitations of the world. The abundant life that is ours through Christ doesn't necessarily involve comfort, wealth, and abundance of worldly things. It might do. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus talks about abundance, he's referring to the things of God. Relationship, presence, power, love that never fails, abundant forgiveness. And we have access to that abundant life through the gate. Jesus Christ is only one way. You can't sneak someone in through that turnstile. Only God can open the turnstile. Having said that, he's not exclusive. It's not exclusive. It's not an exclusive gate. The family of God is not like a child's tree house where there's a trap door and if you don't know the password, you fall through it. It's a gate of invitation to enter and experience a relationship with God, a relationship with the family of God, his church, and an abundant life within it. Jesus said, I am the gate. He said, I. He points to himself, I. He says, I am. I am. He knew who he was and he knew where he came from. He said, I am. Am is another positive word. It's an affirming word, a definite word. It's an answer. I am. 
And there's the echoes of when God says to Moses in Exodus, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am the, I am, has sent me to you. God, I am who I am. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he's effectively saying, I am God. Those original hearers would have known exactly what he was saying when he kept saying the I am sayings. I am. I am the. Still again about his identity. It's not, I'm one of the gods. I am the. I am the, I am the one, the one that the prophecies spoke about. I am the Christos, the Christ, or the Messiah in Hebrew. I am, this is, that means the anointed one. I am the one they've been talking about. When he says, I am the, he's pointing to himself again. And finally he says, I am the gate. Gates are opened and closed, but they're made for walking through. And the promise for us in verse 9 is that as we walk through this gate, We don't no longer have to be confused or desperate or worried or concerned about eternity because verse 9 says you'll be saved. And God's not a liar, it's in his word. You're saved. And verse 10, once you're saved you can know abundant life in all its fullness. Not what the world gives. We see some of that. And we might even enjoy it. But really the abundant life that only God can give. Life to the full. The shepherd knows his sheep. That's you. He knows you tonight. And the sheep listen to his voice. We need to listen. We make that commitment right at the beginning of our walk when we first hear that call of Christ. And we make that ongoing commitment as we, as we take communion. We offer ourselves back to him. But equally, we need to know his voice. And the question we've got is, are we listening? Um, we can go about doing things in our own strength, but are we listening? Revelation 3.20, which is often used evangelistically, but Jesus, he's, he's got this image and he's standing at the door. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. To eat with somebody at those times, a very intimate relationship. You just eat with anybody. He said, I'll eat with them. It's intimate. I know your name. I know your name. And we can know him in this life. And our future destiny is secure. He goes on to say in John's Gospel, John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. You know, don't you find sometimes your heart gets troubled when you're not relying on God so much? You can hand it over to God. It doesn't mean everything gets sorted out in the way you want it to be, but you can cast your burdens and anxieties on him. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's not a liar. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And whatever the world tells you, whatever other religions tell you, not all roads lead to God. They don't. Jesus is clear. You could say it's arrogant, you could say it's offensive, but it's the gospel. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. You cannot sneak in that turnstile. He's the only one seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the only one who put paid to all those religious offerings and day after day and the priest is standing up and he's got to keep offering. But when this priest made the sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the world, with all its worries and concerns, and sometimes us as well, all the busyness that's going on in the world and our lives, there's nothing like the call of Jesus, the one who says, I am the shepherd, and the sheep know his voice. And we need to listen.
To finish, he went on to say, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I wonder if that's some words for us tonight. We, you know, the presence of God is, is evident and God, God's peace is the only peace that can surpass understanding. So whatever's going on in your life at the moment, it might be real anxiety, it might be rosy, um, it might be indifferent. God says, my peace I leave with you. Will you hear my voice? What's the worst that can happen? And even then I've prepared a place for you. And so when we worship, we say, he alone is worthy. When we come to this table, he alone is the only one we can give the glory to. He is the only one who went on a cross for you and for me. He is the only one who washes us clean. And his motive the whole time is love, for God so loved the world. And all we can do is say, well, thank you, Jesus, and be open to his voice tonight. So I think Christine's going to sing a song. I'll pray him as we prepare uh, for communion. Let's remember that. He knows you by name. He's called you by name. We thank you, Lord, for your word. As we approach communion, I pray as we worship, we'll prepare our hearts ready to receive the bread and the wine and what they represent, your body and your blood. Thank you that you know us, that you call us by name and you equally send us out into the world by our names to witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen.